Well, this morning, we want to pray for Bill and really his entire family. They're on vacation this week. Appreciate Justin um, stepping up and leading us and his praise team this morning in worship. Um, This morning, we're continuing our sermon series entitled Believe. And as you know, we've been looking at um, different theological truths over the course of this sermon series. We looked at God, how the The God of the Bible is the one true God. That was week one. Week two and three, we looked at how a person can come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ through salvation. Week four, we looked at the Bible, how it is more than just ink on a page. It is literally breath on a page. And then we looked at how we find our identity in Christ 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And then in week six, we looked at the church. And just as the word of God is living and active, so is the church. We as the local body of believers are an organism. We're organic. We are alive. Last week we looked at humanity and how man is the pinnacle of God's creation. And that brings us to today's study. And today we're looking at the subject of compassion. You've heard the old saying, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You've heard that, right? I think all of us in this room would agree that that is true. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. A lot of people can talk a good talk when it comes to compassion. But compassionate people demonstrate their compassion through their walk, don't they? This morning, I hope each of us in this room will walk away realizing that compassion The word compassion is an action word. We read in Romans 5.8, there's no greater demonstration of compassion than the compassion that God showed us as his creation when he sent Jesus Christ to this earth to die on the cross for our sins. We read in Romans 5.8, it says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The NIV version of the Bible says that God demonstrated his love. Man, that is a great act of compassion. God loved us so much that he came to this earth to die on the cross for our sins. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to the book of Matthew. We're going to be looking in uh, in chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. I love hearing page turning. I love that. And if you have um, like a smart device, push on that screen harder so that we can hear that. So that we can hear both the pages and the the tapping of glass. So um, Matthew chapter 9, 35 through 38 says this. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed 
and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Point number one this morning is this. Compassion takes guts. Compassion takes guts. And, and I may have already lost some of you this morning. You're, you're probably asking yourself, how in the world does compassion takes guts? Man, it takes guts, if you think about it, to go to war and defend our country. It takes guts to face sickness head on. It takes guts to stand up to a bully. For some of you in this room, it takes guts to get up in the morning. It takes guts to stand up for what you believe in. And some people even wrestle with telling the truth. It takes guts sometimes to tell the truth or to tell it like it is. For all of my baseball friends in this room this morning, it takes guts to stretch a single into a double, doesn't it? I mean, that's guts right there. We've all heard expressions like that. We've also heard expressions like no guts, no glory. Guts, it's best described as laying it all on the line. It is giving 110% of yourself on behalf of your team, on behalf of, of, of yourself, or on behalf of others. So you may still be asking yourself, what in the world does having guts and compassion, how do these two things go together? Before I answer that, I want us to look at the Webster definition for the word compassion. It says this. Compassion is a feeling of wanting to help someone who is sick, hungry, or in trouble. According to Webster, compassion is more of a feeling or a desire to help someone who is in need. You know, I've driven by a lot of homeless people over the course of my lifetime, as I know you have as well. And you've seen those cardboard signs that they hang up, hang, hold up. And some of those that I came across are homeless, please help, thank you, and God bless. Will work for food. Need food? Please help. Out of luck? Need a buck? Smile? It could be worse. You could be me. And my personal favorite is family kidnapped by ninjas. Need $4 for karate lessons. You know, I'll be the first one to tell you that if I ever come across that gentleman right there holding up that sign, I'm probably going to give him $4. You know, here's the reality. On more than one occasion, all of us have come across someone holding up a sign on a street corner asking for help. You know, I was taught um, over the course of my lifetime, not necessarily by my parents, but just um, by society as a whole, that you're not to help a homeless person. Because if you give them money, what are they going to do? They're going to spend that money on beer, or they're going to spend that money on drugs. So you should not help a homeless person, because what you're actually doing is you're enabling them to remain on the streets to continue to ask for a hand out. I want you to know right now, if the Lord impresses upon your help, your heart to help a homeless person, then you're obligated to help that homeless person. 
If you're driving down the street and the Lord tells you to put a cup, a dollar in a cup, put a dollar in that person's cup. If he impresses upon your heart to go to the drive-thru and get a hamburger and come back around the block and give that to that homeless man that's holding that sign, then you need to do that. You're obligated to do that. Because the Lord has impressed it upon your heart to help that person out. So now that we've kind of established what the world's definition of compassion is, I want us to look at the biblical definition of compassion. The, the biblical word compassion, it is a Greek verb that is used in the New Testament to refer to God's compassion. It is this word called splagnitsomai. Okay? Splagnitsomai. I've had a, I had to work on saying that, so I'm going to say that a lot this morning. Splagnitsomai. This word means so much more than just having a feeling. Splagnitsomai is related to a noun, meaning inward parts. You and I would refer to a person's inward parts as their guts. That's what we would refer to a person's inward parts as their guts. So compassion means a longing or a yearning from deep inside of a person. When the biblical writers refer to the Lord's compassion, they're referring to a deep internal physical hurt that the Lord had. When you have compassion for someone, you have a deep yearning to act on behalf of another person. Compassion, when we think about it, it should move us. Compassion should compel us. It should drive us into action. Following the death of John the Baptist, scripture says that Jesus got in a boat and he withdrew. And then we pick up here in Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through 14. It says this, it says, now when Jesus heard this, He withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. So here's the picture here. Jesus comes ashore and he sees this sea of people. There are literally thousands of people that had rushed to come and to get into proximity of Jesus Christ. And you're like, how do you know there were thousands of people? Well, if you continue to read the subsequent verses here, you see this is a story of when Jesus fed the 5,000 with the five loaves of bread and the two fish. And it says that Jesus fed 5,000 men. It doesn't include the number of women and children. So literally thousands of people have rushed into proximity of Jesus. And when Jesus looked out over the sea of people, scripture says that he had compassion for them. He had a deep hurt in his gut for those that he came in proximity of. Notice what Jesus did not do. He did not move on to the next town when he looked at those people. He did not kind of row that boat back out and go to another desolate place. He did not look the other way and ignore them. Scripture says that Jesus acted on behalf of his compassion and he healed the sick. 
Jesus had compassion for them and he healed them. He saw a hurt and he acted upon that hurt. Is that not what Jesus has called each and every one of us in this room to do? Compassion takes guts. It takes us having a willingness to get out of our comfort zone and invest our lives into other people. You know, I love reading um, stories about great men and women um, that have, have helped people. You know, one of the, the people that I really respect is Mother Teresa. And we all know the story about Mother, Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa um, went to India um, to, to invest her life into other people. When she got to India, she began working at an, at a school called the Sisters of Loreto. And this was a school for wealthy young ladies. And, and Mother Teresa, as I read stories about her, she loved what she was doing. The problem is, That's not what she was called to do. She loved what she did, but she realized that her calling was not to serve the wealthy, but to serve the poorest of the poor within Calcutta. Upon receiving permission, she established the Missionaries of Charity organization. During the early days of her ministry in Calcutta, she had literally nothing. She had no tools, she had no instruments, she had nobody that, that, that was willing to invest in the poor people of Calcutta. And as I read about her, her life, the thing that she began to do immediately is she recognized the illiteracy rate within India. And she began to teach the children how to read and write and teach them basic hygiene. And, and the amazing thing is, when she first started, she didn't even have a chalkboard. So she would get down in the ground using a stick and she would teach the kids how to read and write drawing in the in the dirt and as as her her um, ministry began to grow other people began to invest in what mother Teresa was doing and today the ministry that she began is outliving her Beyond her death, there are people still in India that are investing in the poor of Calcutta, the poor of India. You know, what Mother Teresa demonstrated was guts. She had compassion. God broke her heart, and she left all that she knew, and she invested in the poor of the poor. How are you and I going to demonstrate guts By helping what Jesus considers the least of these. So the first thing this morning is compassion takes guts. And the second thing that I want us to see is that we need to understand that that compassion is what we need to have for the broken. For the broken people of this world. You and I live in a broken world. And the only solution for the brokenness in this world is the Lord Jesus Christ. Throughout Jesus' ministry, he was never far away from the broken, was he? We constantly see how Jesus got in proximity of those that needed to be healed, those that needed to be 
touched. You know, Jesus, over and over in Scripture, we read about how Jesus reached out his hand and he literally touched the people and brought healing upon them. In Matthew 8, 3, we read about how Jesus reached out his hand and he touched a man with leprosy and he healed him. In Matthew 8, 14, we read about how Jesus entered the home of his mother-in-law and he recognized that she, or uh, Peter's mother-in-law, I'm sorry, Jesus entered into the home of Peter's mother-in-law and he touched her and he healed her of her fever. In Mark 5:41 we read about how Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the little girl that was pronounced dead. Jesus touched her and that little girl rose and walked again. In Matthew 9:29 we read about how Jesus touched the eyes of two blind men and they received their sight. Throughout Jesus's ministry, we see Jesus healing the broken. He healed the mute man and gave him speech. He cast out demons. Throughout Jesus' ministry, we see the lame walk, the deaf hear, the dead raised to life. Jesus was drawn to the hurting and those that were in desperate need of him. If you and I, if you are in this place this morning and you are hurting, if you are here in pain this morning, if you are in need of being touched by the Lord Jesus Christ to receive healing because you are a broken person this morning, then I want you to know that Jesus is calling you this morning unto himself. We read in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus said this. He said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's a promise from Jesus this morning, that he will give you rest. If you need help today, Jesus is here for you. Just as Jesus on Calvary's cross outstretched his arm and demonstrated his love for us, Jesus today, with arms outstretched, is ready to embrace you so that you can find rest in him today. He's waiting for you to find rest in him. Faith family, you and I have been called by God and set apart by God to go into this world and show, um, show the love of Jesus Christ to the broken, to the down and out, to what Jesus calls the least of these you know, I've shared with you this quote before, but there's a gentleman in New York that's a part of a, a ministry that feeds over 100,000 homeless people every single year. His name is Richard Galloway. Richard Galloway, at one time in his life, was a multimillionaire. Richard Galloway, after he received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, um, left all of his money, all of his fame behind, and he went and started a ministry in New York amongst the least of these. And Richard Galloway said this, um, came across this quote by him when I was in New York several years ago. He said, the poor are not a problem to be solved, but a portal to God's heart. The poor are not a problem to be solved, but a portal to God's heart. You and I are not going to solve the poverty crisis in our world. I don't care how much guts we have. We're not going to be able to solve the poverty problem. Jesus said in Mark 14, 7, the first part of that passage, Jesus said, for you will always have the poor with you. 
We will not be able to solve the poverty crisis during our lifetime, or in humanity's lifetime for that matter. But you know what you and I can do? We can make a difference. Now, I love the story of, of, of the little boy who was walking along the seashore one day. And as he was walking along the seashore, um, he was picking up starfish and he was throwing those starfish into the ocean. And an old man watched him and kind of mesmerized by what he was doing. He recognized this kid going from starfish to starfish to starfish. And as he looked out on the seashore, there was literally thousands of starfish. And so the old man went up to the little boy and asked him what he was doing. He was like, you're not going to be able to make an impact. You're not going to be able to make a difference. And so the little boy reaches down and he picks up a starfish and he chunks it out into the ocean. And he goes, it made a difference to that one. You know, you and I are not going to solve the poverty crisis in our world. But we can make a difference one person at a time by us demonstrating compassion, by us um, being gutsy people. We can impact the poverty crisis in our world today. Look with me again at our focal passage this morning. Verses 35 through 36, we read this. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because he saw their brokenness and Jesus saw their lostness. Why were they lost? Why were they broken? They were lost and broken, wandering around like sheep without a shepherd because they had bought into the lie of Satan. They had been living for the kingdom of Satan and not the kingdom of God. They were about advancing their own personal agendas in their own kingdoms instead of the kingdom of God. It kind of sounds like us a lot of times, doesn't it? We're about expanding our own kingdoms, getting more and more stuff so that we can fill up our own kingdoms. And we're about advancing our own personal agendas. And so that's kind of what was happening here. When Jesus looked out at the sea of people, he saw a bunch of people that were advancing their own kingdoms in the kingdom of Satan instead of his own kingdom. So Jesus looked out over these lost sheep who were broken because they were following the wrong shepherd. Their shepherd was one, uh, was, was leading them to wander aimlessly Through life with no purpose, no God-given agenda. As Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, he taught, he preached, and he healed people of every disease. And one key thing that he taught that is emphasized in this passage of scripture is Jesus was preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Or as we would refer to it as the kingdom of God. This phrase, gospel of the kingdom, this one phrase is the key to you and I understanding the gospel message. The gospel of the kingdom, it is this, it is the good news of the rule of God coming and dwelling amongst the people of God. You see, there are two kingdoms that are at war with one another. There's a kingdom of God and there is the kingdom of Satan. These two kingdoms cannot coexist together. One kingdom is represented by a thief 
represented by a murderer, represented by a destroyer, and that is the kingdom of Satan. The other kingdom is represented by the king of the universe, by a holy God, by the Lord Jesus Christ. And in John 10.10, we read that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said this, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. What Jesus is saying here is that if you follow after me, then you will experience an abundant life, a full life, an eternal life. But if you follow after Satan, then his lies lies are going to lead you straight to hell. That's kind of what we're seeing here. There is a war that is going on all around us. There is the war, the battle between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. Let me ask you a question this morning. Where do you find your allegiance today? Are you a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ? Because if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you're a part of the kingdom of God, you have assurance that if you are going to die today, that you're going to spend eternity with God in heaven. But if you are wandering aimlessly throughout this life with no purpose and no agenda and and you have never placed your faith and hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are a part of the kingdom of Satan. And understand this, you cannot live in both worlds. You cannot have one foot in the kingdom of God and one foot in the kingdom of Satan. It's not possible at all. You remember the story in Revelation, this, this, the church called Laodicea? And Laodicea, Laodicea um, Jesus said that I would rather you be hot or cold, but if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth because, because we cannot live in two places at any given time. You're either all in the kingdom of heaven or you're all in the kingdom of Satan. You cannot be in between because they don't coexist together. Now, I'm currently reading a book by Tony Evans called Raising Kingdom Kids. On Wednesday night, we're also doing a, a study called The Kingdom Agenda by Tony Evans. And, and Tony Evans writes this in, in this um, book. He said, at the heart of the kingdom agenda is the reality that there is no separation between the sacred and the secular. All of life is spiritual because all of life comes under God's rule. Therefore, every issue mirrors God's nature and principles related to that specific area and thus reflects and promotes his agenda in history. God has made Jesus Christ the sovereign over all of humankind's kingdoms. His rule is to be represented in history by those who are part of his kingdom. And just in case you are wondering, there are no in-between kingdoms. There are only two realms in creation, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. You are subject to one or the other. Through Jesus Christ, you, if you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, can be reconciled to the kingdom of God. We no longer have to be governed and ruled by Satan and controlled by him and, 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 and live under his rules. When you and I became believers in Jesus Christ, our once broken relationship with God was no longer broken. We were restored. It has now been reconciled. And that's good news because no longer do you live under the control of the kingdom of Satan. Because what Jesus Christ did on the cross, you have been reconciled to God and you are part of his kingdom.
compassion, the third thing is this. Let's look at compassion and the gospel. Compassion and the gospel. Verse 37 and 38 says this. Jesus said, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Jesus shifts his metaphor here in verses 37 and 38. He changes from referring to the people as a flock to now referring to them as a field. He now envisions this vast um, vast field of ripe grain in need of harvesters. Jesus is telling his disciples right here, he is saying that, that the unreached people of this world need more preachers, more ministers, more people committed to the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ amongst the world. He's saying here, we see, therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. And we see in verse 37, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The harvest is plentiful today, just like it was 2,000 years ago. And just as Jesus was calling the disciples out into the field to share the gospel with those that they came into proximity with, the Lord Jesus Christ is calling us as well to go outside the doors of this church to preach the good news of Jesus Christ with those that we come into proximity with. There are literally hundreds of millions of people on planet earth today that have never heard the good news of Jesus Christ. If they were to die today, they would spend eternity separated from God in a place called hell. In Romans chapter 10, Paul um, references another passage, but he poses the question. He says, will the, how will the world believe in Jesus in whom they have never heard? Unless someone goes to them. How will this lost and dying world place their faith in Jesus Christ unless you and I go to them? Jesus, when he looked at these lost people, his guts literally hurt. He hurt from the inside. He felt pain on behalf of those that he was in proximity of. Here's the deal though. The difference between what happened 2,000 years ago and today is Jesus, as he looked at that sea of people, you know what Jesus did? Jesus acted upon what he saw and he went to those vast numbers of people. And he went to them and he acted and he touched them and he healed them and he showed them the kingdom of God as he came into proximity of them. Today, you know who Jesus has commissioned to help the lost sea of people outside of the doors of this church? He's chosen you and me. He's chosen each one of us to help that vast sea of people that are lost and dying dying and going to hell. He has chosen us to demonstrate guts by showing compassion to the broken and lost within this world. You and I have been called to feed the poor. We have been called to clothe the naked. Faith family, missions is directly connected to compassion. Missions is directly connected to compassion. Compassion should drive us into action. 
Throughout history, the church has been instrumental in demonstrating compassion to those in need. The church, not the government, and history past took care of the needy. You realize that, don't you? It was the church that established um, hospitals. It was the church that clothed the naked, that fed the poor, that cared for the wounded. It was the church that established educational systems to teach and to train both in primary and secondary school as well as in theological training. It was a church that was commissioned by God that had the guts to set up orphanages and care for the widows. You and I must be people of compassion. We must see people the way that Jesus sees them. We read in Matthew chapter 25, verses 35 through 40, Jesus said this, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly. I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. We need to allow our guts to be stirred within us when we see the Lord, see what the Lord deems as the least of these. When you see a homeless person, don't just see a bum on the streets. See a man or a woman that was created in the image of God who's in desperate need of the grace of God. When you see a malnourished child, whether it's on television or as you do life, don't immediately begin to blame that little child's parents for the situation that they are in. Become the hands and feet of Jesus and help those that are in need. You and I have been commissioned by God to take care of the least of these. More than 60 years ago, there was a preacher from Chicago that flew to South Korea to minister to American troops fighting during the Korean War. During his time in Seoul, the Reverend Everett Swanson grew increasingly troubled by the sight of hundreds of orphans living on the streets, abandoned by society. One morning, he saw city workers scoop up what looked like piles of clothes and toss them into the back of a truck. He walked up to that truck for a closer look and was horrified to see that the piles were not rags, but the frozen bodies of orphans who had died overnight in the streets. Swanson could not turn his back on these unwanted children, and he vowed to find a way to help them. He raised money to support a Korean orphanage and soon established a unique program that allowed an individual in the Western world to provide Bible-based education, food, clothing, shelter, and medical care for a Korean orphan for a few dollars a month. Today, Compassion International is a worldwide ministry committed to taking care of what Jesus deemed the least of these. In fact, 
Compassion International has 6,900 international church partners. Today, there are over 1.7 million children that are being sponsored through Compassion International. They're getting the gospel. They're getting food. And they're getting education and health care. Last year alone, over 122,000 Children and mothers place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as a result of Compassion International. This ministry started as one pastor looked out over a sea of orphans in South Korea and he had guts to do something about it. He was overcome with compassion. He did not turn away and walk down another street. Or forget what he saw once he got back to good old U.S. of A. No, he acted and he created a ministry that is now seeing literally thousands of people come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Let me ask you a question this morning. How has the Lord stirred your heart in the past? How is he stirring you today? How has God called you to demonstrate compassion on behalf of other people? Our takeaway this morning is this. Do you have the guts to make a difference in this world? That's what compassion is. Compassion is you and I having the guts to act upon what the Lord has impressed upon our heart to do and do it. So often we just kind of look away, don't we? And we think that someone else is going to help them. But you know what? We're the someone else. If God's impressed upon our heart to help, then we're obligated to help. So this morning, as our takeaway for compassion, I pray that you will begin now to pray about how God would, A, have you get in proximity of of the least of these, B, If God has impressed upon your heart in the past to help someone deemed as the least of these, then you better do something about it. As long as you still have breath in your lungs, it's not too late to impact a life. You may be here this morning and you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you were to die today, you do not know where you would spend eternity. You know, this morning, I want to invite you To follow after a God that loved you so much, he had so much compassion for you, that he went to the cross and he died for you so that you could experience life. If you're here this morning, you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. And and we're all going to be standing. And... Every head bowed, neither eye closed. If you need to come and trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning, then I want to invite you to do that. This morning, you may be, have been visiting this church for a while, and today's the day that the Lord is calling you and your family to join this faith family. You may need to come and just kneel at this altar this morning but, and, and ask God to just stir your heart. You know, here's the, the, the greatest danger as Americans that literally have access to anything and everything that we want. We have an abundance of food. We have an abundance of everything at our fingertips. Here's the danger of that. Sometimes we get a hard heart for the least of these. So you may need this morning to pray that God will break your heart 
on behalf of the least of these so that you can act in compassion to help them. I don't know what decision you need to make, but in just a moment, after I say amen, I want to invite you to come. Let's stand together, and I want to lead us in a time of prayer. Lord Jesus, we come before you now. Father God, just thanking you. Father, for demonstrating compassion for us on the cross. Lord Jesus, you left heaven full of all of his glory. And you came to this earth. This broken, sin-filled world. You came to this earth. And you showed us that there is a better way. There is a way that will lead us to eternal life and an abundant life. But that kind of life doesn't come without a sacrifice. And so Jesus, we are so thankful that you didn't put us up on the cross. But you went to the cross and you were that sacrifice that this world needed. And you shed your blood and you gave your final breath so that every one of us in this room might have life. They laid you in a grave. Three days later, you were victorious over death. And Lord Jesus, you conquered death. You conquered Satan. And Father, you provided a way so that we too could conquer death. We could overcome the enemy and we could experience eternal life. So this morning, if there is someone here that is yet to receive you as their Lord and Savior, I pray that this morning they will come to know you as their Lord and Savior. Father, there may be some here this morning that need to join this church, Father. We invite them to come. Lord, some or many may need to come to this altar and just pray for brokenness. Pray that that we will be overcome um, with, with compassion for those that you deem the least of these so that we can be your hands and feet and help them. Lord Jesus, just move now during this time of invitation. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.